0: Right, and we are officially going. So, Dr. Cowling, thanks so much for uh, coming on the AOC PMNR podcast. Uh, really excited you're here to chat with us about CrossFit, nutrition, and a bunch of other things.
1: Awesome, man! Thanks for having me.
0: So, I just wanted a real brief. Um, can you talk to us about your journey into like medicine and PMNR? Like, what about PMNR clicked with you, and uh, how did you end up where you are now?
1: Yeah. So I first was interested in musculoskeletal medicine, you know, way back in like 2009, I was playing college football, getting injured a lot and spending a ton of time around physical therapists. So I thought that that would be a good route for me. I ended up actually ending my football career prematurely because I had a bunch of knee surgery. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go to physical therapy school. Um, I transferred colleges to another place that had more solid, you know, um, clinical science courses, and when I got there, I went to a lecture from an osteopathic physician because um, all their health club was all tied in together, um, and I thought, wow, this specialty, um, pm um, seems really cool, and this guy's a DO as well, so I decided to apply to medical schools instead, and at that time, they just switched it so that you needed a doctoral degree to be a physical therapist, so it just kind of all fit together. I went to medical school at Michigan State and there's a pretty strong PM&R presence um, there. So from there, started hanging out with the PM&R guys. They teach our physical exam courses and kind of knew from from the get-go that that's what I wanted to do.
0: Awesome, awesome. That's a great summary. Um, And so you sort of uh, advertise or bill yourself as a CrossFit physician. And I think everyone is sort of familiar with CrossFit, but. You know, for me, it seems like this thing that I keep revisiting. Like, I thought I knew what CrossFit was like eight years ago. It was like where people slammed their weights on the ground. And I just kind of wrote it off. And then I, I saw that they were doing like handstand push-ups against the wall. and Then I kind of wrote it off. And then um, I, I keep thinking I have it figured out, and, and it turns out there's always more to to that that culture than than I think. And now it seems like it's like a whole lifestyle. Uh, they have the CrossFit Games. When I saw that, I was like, okay, so these guys are like really. Doing something bigger than just like here's a couple weightlifting techniques. It's more than just like a weightlifting gym. So can you like in your own words like what what is CrossFit?
1: So I guess the definition of CrossFit is constantly varied high intensity functional movement, and that might seem a little bit confusing, but essentially it's mixing in uh, different domains of, of fitness. So that you know the person who does CrossFit, for example, might not be the strongest person in the room. Uh, but they're going to be they're going to be really strong. They might not be the best endurance athlete in the room, but but they can run pretty good. Um, so essentially, it's mixing our anaerobic and aerobic exercises, mixing up the intensity, the length, the duration, um, just to provide a constant stimulus to your body system. Um, I like to describe CrossFit as more of a community, although everybody sees the fitness aspect, like you touched on. Uh, Nutrition is a huge part and the community aspect, teamwork, camaraderie. Those are things that are really emphasized.
0: Awesome. Yeah, the community is something that like that's the palpable thing to me. When I know like any of my friends who do CrossFit, they have like this devotion to CrossFit. And I kind of feel like if I were to spend more time doing it, I'd probably get sucked into it, too. It almost has like this like cult status. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. And unfortunately, sometimes that can have a negative uh, connotation associated with it. But I would definitely say that whenever you get into a situation where you're doing something extremely difficult with other people, you know, you tend to to like and relate to those other people. So right. I, I, I tell people all the time before I started doing CrossFit and, you know, in medical school, unfortunately, we have this culture of going out on the weekends or after exams and you just want to just binge drink and kind of forget about, you know, how terrible the exam was. But when you start hanging out with people that get up on Saturday morning and want to go kick their own ass in a workout, it becomes very difficult for you to show up to that hungover. So it kind of forces you to change your habits to fit in.
0: Yeah, I, I did do like a one trial session, just like my friend was opening up a gym in the school that like in the city where my school is. And I did a wad there. And my takeaway was just like, these guys are just way, these guys and gals are just way, 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 way tougher than me. Like I, I've been, you know, I wrestled in high school. I think I'm like relatively athletic. I work out and stuff, but it never at that kind of intensity and for those durations. And going through that was just like agonizing. And so, it, you know, but I think what you brought up about going through it as a group, it's sort of like that running a marathon when there's, you know... It's hard to do that by yourself, but when you're in that big pool of people like that, you all push each other and, you know, that that must just feel like amazing to have like that group to go through that stuff together like that.
1: Absolutely. A lot of us haven't had anyone cheering us on, you know, since high school or ever. And I remember, you know, when I got back into to working out really hard and doing CrossFit, you know, we have a thing called the CrossFit Open. It's kind of a worldwide competition, and the first time you get that really hard movement, you know, like you're saying, you come into a CrossFit gym and you see somebody do a muscle-up and you think, oh, my God, I could never do that. Yeah. And then after a few months of doing CrossFit, or maybe a year or maybe two years or however long it takes you, when you get that first bar muscle-up and everybody's cheering and going crazy, it just brings you back to that. And you're so happy that you achieved that. And people joke around that CrossFit is like gym class for adults. And that's kind of true. I mean, it's just really fun to get out there and try new things and, and have people cheering you on for it. So.
0: Well, you know, and I think it's uh, it's hard to work out by yourself. Like, you definitely can do that. You can motivate yourself, but it's not the same when you have like a like a workout partner or something. And so, I imagine having like a team setting, it, it's that that same thing, but even more amplified, where it's everyone pushing each other like that. Um, that that just seems like a great way to keep yourself like accountable and and working as hard as you can every day. Because when I just go in, you know, the weight room or something. I feel like I can tap out at any time. And often I do because there's no one, you know, it's just, it's all on me and I, I can let myself down. But if I have like a friend who's like, you know, come on, we're, we said we do this. So to me, that seems like a huge benefit of it. Um, I, so as a CrossFit physician, uh, you did say in, I saw on one of your Instagram posts, uh, you did the MDL1 course. Can you talk a little bit about that? I, I read some headlines really of articles from CrossFit is sort of bringing like, Uh, physicians into their own network what is that program and what is the purpose of that
1: so the mdl1 there's a level one two um, three there's tiered system of becoming a crossfit coach or getting certified in crossfit and the l1 is just the basics of crossfit Um, talking about the crossfit diet prescription in terms of nutrition and exercise and the crossfit methodology and why that works The L1 was targeted, the MDL1 was targeted at bringing physicians in and just providing education for them um, as one part of, you know, what CrossFit is and why it can can work and help to prevent chronic disease. And the other big goal is to bring physicians together, like you mentioned, as a network so we can all work together uh, to kind of get the message out there of, uh, you know, primary prevention, which is a huge problem with our medical system is that we're too focused on intervention.
0: Okay, yeah, I, that totally makes sense to me. So, it seems like the the MDL1 program and, and and beyond, it's more of like networking as physicians to sort of like spread the like the the health benefits of CrossFit and nutrition, but it's not necessarily like treating CrossFit injuries. Like that that's not really like the focus of it, is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's correct. So, a big part of CrossFit that people miss unfortunately because the CrossFit games are cool and everything and seeing these people perform these Amazing feats of athleticism is cool, but CrossFit has always been a a health based company, um, you know. And from the from the get go, their goal has been to to cure chronic disease through through prevention.
0: Okay, that's that's great. There's always more depth to this than I than I ever realized. Every time I learn more about CrossFit, there's always like more about it that I I never realized was there. Um, so about the CrossFit Games, I, I did see that that actually is in Madison and you are at PGY3, is that correct? Yep. At, at the University of Wisconsin in Madison. So was that, uh, that that's, you know, you being a very CrossFit centric guy, was that part of the motivation to go to that uh, residency program or, or rank it higher? Or was that just kind of a serendipitous thing? It worked out real nice.
1: It actually worked out amazing. I did not know. Um, at the time that I matched here, I was actually applying to be on the CrossFit Games medical team as a volunteer. Um, and I completed my intern year down in Indianapolis, um, at IU. So when I was down there, that's when I found out the games were going to be in Madison. Uh, so it just kind of worked out perfectly. And I actually, when I applied on the games, medical team wasn't even doing CrossFit. It was, you know, when I got down there and met everyone and learned what CrossFit really was myself, that I fell in love with it. But it's been really nice having the games here. Unfortunately, we won't be holding them this year because of everything that's going on. Right but for the last two years and i mean last year like i tell everyone it was the best week of my life having the games
0: here that sounds awesome um so just as a total outsider I, i just don't know like the the competitors at the crossfit games are these just like world ranked the best of the best of the best or if i started doing crossfit could i go and get eliminated first round next year do you know what i mean is it something for like everyone or is it something for these elite super athletes only
1: so the way that you qualify for the CrossFit Games is an ever-changing process, and it was different last year uh, than it will be this year uh, with everything and different the year before that. So essentially, um, there are multiple ways to qualify for the CrossFit Games. Uh, we do the Worldwide Open competition, like I stated earlier, and they take the you know top members from that, and then those people get a spot, and now they also have these, th- these things called sanctionals, which are huge CrossFit competitions – that could be in like you know in Europe or you know they'll be in South America or you know in the United States and they'll take the top finishers from those as well. And then last year we took the top winner from every country. Um, so to make a long story short, though, these people are elite, elite athletes, um, and the chance of an average person just starting to do crossfit and making it to the games—it's um, insanely hard.
0: Okay. I'll, I'll write that off. I'll just <laughs> plan on that. Then um, I, I wanted to switch gears a little bit to nutrition. This is something that you also do. Um, what, what is your role? You are a nutritionist for a CrossFit gym. Is that correct?
1: Uh, I would use the term, uh, nutrition coach. Yeah. Nutrition I coach. run a nutrition program, um, at one of the local gyms here, the big Dane collective. Um, and basically my goal with the program is just to pro- provide nutrition education for the members, Uh, We do, like, a monthly newsletter um, and nutrition challenges throughout the year aimed at keeping everybody um, as healthy as we possibly can. There's so many misconceptions and different opinions and bias in the nutrition world um, that I think it's very difficult for the average person to try and navigate that. That, That's how I
0: feel. Even with uh, the minimal medical school training we had in our preclinical years, it was maybe like a lecture on nutrition and we were done. Um, but every time I, you, like, I, I know that nutrition is like the secret ingredient to, you know, having like a, like a really cut physique or just getting your, your fitness goals. Uh, every time I try to like dip into the world of nutrition, I'm just overwhelmed that there's all these different philosophies and they're warring and, and I don't know who's right. And, and I start trying to count my, my macros on my phone and I stop doing it in two days. Cause it's just, it, it seems so hard to do it. And is it that hard is it a matter of discipline and i just like like the average person needs to just buckle up and start doing these things or is there like an easier way to approach nutrition um because every time i try to look into it I, I just have to tap out after a week tops i, I just can't i can't hang I, there's too much to keep track of you know um is yeah how do you get in as a, as a rookie like me
1: so that's a great point i first got into nutrition when i quit playing football and i just felt like i was too heavy and wanted to lose weight to take pressure off my knee. And and I stopped, I was a defensive end. So I had a good amount of weight to cut. And I think the big part first is just education because the most important thing is the diet that you choose needs to be sustainable for you. So a lot of people will dive into counting calories and counting macros before they ever focus on their food quality. And one thing that I tell people all the time, because we all come from different backgrounds, we've all been exposed to different nutrition, you know, propaganda, if you will. Um, is that, you know, whether you're on a vegan diet or whether you're on a carnivore diet or a paleo diet or a ketogenic diet, the best thing that you can do to start out is just focus on your food quality and eat more unprocessed foods, you know, so don't be eating processed meats, don't be eating, you know, and chips and, and things that are packaged. And by doing that alone, focusing on, you know, meat, vegetables, nuts and seeds, things that come from the ground. Um, that and alone is a big enough step to help most people just take that that jump, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so as a, as a resident, you're obviously extremely busy and as a med school to a much lesser degree, especially right now, I'm also very busy. It's hard to like keep all this stuff in track. Um, and and you've documented some of your own like fitness fluctuations throughout residency and stuff. How, how as a busy resident or a fellow or someone who is just working like ungodly hours every week, how... Do you have any tips on, like, how to keep that under control or in track? Like, what's your experience with that?
1: Yeah, so I think the first thing to realize is that, you know, nobody's perfect on what we're doing. And for us in medicine, you know, we've chosen a lifestyle that requires a great deal of responsibility and us being able to show up and focus uh, on patient care and so for me i've had my own fluctuations in weight you know whether you're on an icu rotation where you're working you know 80 hour grinding grinding days um and then you could be on an outpatient rotation where you're just in clinic from you know nine to five every day um so understanding that you you know knowing when you're going to be busy and being able to prepare for that okay so i may have a half an hour each day to work out so i need to just have my equipment or i need to get up in the morning and i just need to knock that workout out I need to prepare my meals in advance. It's just it's just trying to plan and then making sure that, you know, at a minimum, I tell myself, I have to get five workouts in per week, no matter what. And I've been able to stick with that, but that's just kind of a rule that I've set for myself. Um, and you can't out-train a poor diet, unfortunately. So, you know, you can still put on weight when you're working out. So just being able to manage your diet the best that you can or you know doing meal prep ahead of time or finding a company that can deliver food to your house like instacart that's really big you can you know get your meals and and they'll have them delivered and the small difference in price there um, will will pay off big time in the end so just things like that you know planning ahead is probably the biggest thing
0: and i've heard on uh, other podcast interviews that you've given um, you emphasize the importance of mindfulness meditation and it just seems like that fits very nicely in with the rest of like the the holistic approach to your wellness can you talk a little bit about uh mindfulness meditation and how it's changed you as a as a crossfitter as a as a physician and anything else important to you in your life
1: yeah um it's great that you mentioned that so i first started getting into meditation when I got accepted to medical school that year, I had a lot of just anxiety out of nowhere. I couldn't figure out where it was you know, coming from. And I was going to the doctor and trying to figure it out and ended up reading this book called Mindfulness in Plain English, which I thought was an amazing book. Um, and that really helped me to troubleshoot. I started meditating 20 minutes a day and within a few months, noticed complete reversal of, of symptoms that I had. I just started to feel a lot more calm and I turned it into almost a daily practice after that. And I think the benefit of it is just that, you know, we all have these thoughts and things that come up, um, you know, whether I'm doing a workout and I'm like, oh, my God, this hurts my body so bad I need to stop, or whether I'm trying to focus on a patient who may be in a bad position and my mind is wandering but they need care. So just understanding that, okay, these thoughts are going to come up, but you don't have to succumb to them and you don't have to get involved in it. You can just sit there and observe what's going on in your mind and not become attached to it. And now, fortunately, we have apps like Headspace and Calm. And these apps are just amazing at being able to self-teach some of these techniques.
0: I've been curious about those apps. I've seen the ads for them. Is it just like they guided meditation? They just a soothing voice tells you what to do and where to visualize and stuff like that.
1: So I think a big thing for people, if if you're trying to just meditate and you just sit down and try to focus, you're going to, you know, just think, I can never do this. I can never do this. But then realizing the struggle of saying that I can never do this and then just sitting there that's going to make you better at meditating, because that's what meditating is. And these apps just provide troubleshooting for that and help you to understand what to do. And I mean, I've been using Headspace for like six years now, and they have different courses on there. Like you can go through courses for anxiety, depression, uh, procrastination, anything you can think of sleep. They have a course. So they kind of use mindfulness combined with some cognitive behavioral therapy um, to help you troubleshoot what might be going
0: on. Awesome. Um, switching gears again, back to like PMNR, what in PMNR excites you like in the field? I've heard you talk about regenerative medicine. Is, is there anything else? Uh, what, what about regenerative medicine do you like? And what do you see like your future in PMNR? Like, are you planning on doing a sports medicine fellowship to focus more on like incorporating it into like CrossFit? What, what are your goals within PMNR?
1: So I think that one thing that really you know brought me into PMNR, and one thing that I really enjoy now is the multidisciplinary approach that we can use. Um, I'm actually interviewing right now for uh, interventional pain fellowships or pain medicine fellowships. And um, I think the coolest thing about pain medicine is that first of all, we get to use our MSK our, our exam, you know, the physical exam. So using our physical exam to be able to diagnose patients, and then taking what patients are saying um, these subjective complaints that we used to not be able to treat and now we can use imaging modalities like fluoroscopy and ultrasound to find objective you know measures to treat and then there we, we can deliver a medicine whether that be prp stem cells corticosteroid uh, whatever we think is appropriate at the same time we can use pain medicine to focus on lifestyle intervention so we know there's a huge link between weight and the amount of pain that they're feeling, Um, depression and pain. So getting them plugged into mindfulness-based cognitive therapies, getting them to lose weight, clean up their nutrition, it's a field where we can use this approach. And then all this stuff will help them to restore their function.
0: Awesome. Um, And this is my own naivete when you're looking at these interventional fellowships, I know there is pain medicine and I know that they're ACGME accredited. And there's also like these sports and spine fellowships that they're not accredited currently, but maybe they will be later. Um, When you're considering these different sort of like interventional, they're both seem like um, a lot of overlap where they're intervening on like the spine in particular for pain. Um, What goes through your mind when you consider these two options?
1: Yeah, I, you know, choosing whether you should do a sports and spine versus ACGME pain. Um, to me, the deciding factor comes down to uh, the accreditation, um, and then you know where I think that I might end up going to an ACGME, ACGME accredited um, fellowship. I think for one, protects you uh, because there is an educational aspect that we all need to get uh, for the board exams, and that's guaranteed to be built into those programs. And then secondly, it makes you more marketable um, when you're looking at applying for jobs for places, whether you want to stay in academic medicine or go private. So that's why I put my focus mainly on ACGME pain.
0: Okay, great. Um, And I I wanted to ask you also about uh, your experience through this COVID pandemic. Um, What has this looked like as a resident at the University of Wisconsin in Madison? Uh, are Are you just seeing... COVID patients all day. Or are you seeing no COVID patients? Has it changed what you do day to day or is it pretty much business as usual? How has that looked for you?
1: So yeah, at the University of Wisconsin, we do three-month rotations and then we take call at um, a 50-bed uh, standalone rehab hospital on the east side of Madison. And if you're on our inpatient service, uh, for the most part, it's been business as usual. For our outpatient rotations, um, still until the 26th of May, we're doing mainly phone visits um, or video visits with patients. So if you're off of the inpatient service, um, you're doing phone stuff and then didactic uh, type stuff. Now though, it's interesting, we're starting to take uh, COVID patients uh, for rehab so you know, patients that have had COVID had a prolonged ICU stay, and now they're they have debility, uh, or you know, you're just having trouble getting their function back. And working with them, which is a pretty interesting and rewarding experience as well.
0: Awesome. Uh, can you uh, talk about any advice you would give to a medical student interested in matching into PM&R, or maybe someone with similar goals and, and ambitions? What would you have done differently in medical school? Um, how how can someone kind of get into a position where like you are now.
1: So I think it's interesting because PMNR, I think when I, you know, was coming up, I was very involved with um, the national organizations, AOC PMNR and doing as much uh, research and things like that as I could, because the specialty is just becoming increasingly competitive. I'm sure you guys know this Mm -hmm. Um, every year it gets, it gets tougher and tougher. I think just staying focused on, um, you know, rehab as a specialty and why you want to do it, doing things that show interest in rehab, um, you know, covering, covering sporting events, adaptive events, um, working with patients with TBI and spinal cord injury, just volunteering your time in places like that um, can make a huge difference at, at showing, you know, why you want to do this specialty. And I think that's one thing that separates certain candidates out from others. If you can show specific things while you're in medical school, Um, that have to do with restoring function to patients because that's what PM&R is all about, right? Those are the things that people are going to to like when you interview.
0: Great. Um, And I always like to ask this because I'm an osteopathic fellow at my school. And do you use OMT in your day-to-day practice? Does that have an impact on your patients? Do you not use it? It, Obviously, most people don't use OMT. I'm just curious, do you have a a take on that?
1: Yeah, so... (laughs) I use OMT a decent amount, probably on my friends more than anything, or people who are like, oh, I kinked my neck doing this, or I hurt, you know, I tweaked my back doing this. Uh, I carried a table with me for the longest time. Now I keep my table uh, tucked away and just pull it out when I need it. But here at uh, Wisconsin, we have had two residents um, while I've been here that have done. Um, the Osteopathic Manipulation Fellowship. Is it, I think, I'm not sure what it. Do you know uh, exactly what it's yeah, called? Yeah,
0: NMM, like neuromuscular medicine.
1: Yeah, and so when they come here, they're like really good at OMT. And um, they'll provide didactics for us on Friday mornings about how to go through the OMT. Um, the biggest takeaway that I would say from going to an osteopathic medical school is your musculoskeletal knowledge and just knowing where structures are, being able to palpate the PSIS, the thigh SI joint, the spinous process, transverse process—you're just so comfortable doing it compared to everybody else. And when it comes to even doing procedures and stuff, finding your landmarks is so easy. So that's one huge thing that I think. I think um, you know, going to an osteopathic school is ideal for PM&R specialty.
0: Awesome. Yeah, we love to hear that. We love to hear any way we can fit it in and see how it's impacted your your career in a in a positive way. So so that's awesome. Um, That's really all the questions I had for you. Uh, Is there anything else you'd like to to leave with our listeners, an audience of mostly medical students, any any parting advice or any wisdom on CrossFit, fitness, nutrition, anything that you think should be emphasized more than anything else?
1: Yeah, first of all, I think, you know, if you guys ever have any questions, you can reach out to me. Find me on Instagram. It's uh, cowling underscore. But I think the big thing that I would have everybody take away is, you know, in order to take care of patients, you have to take care of yourself. Um, and we didn't get into a field to destroy our own health. Right. So just thinking about ways that you can keep yourself healthy for the long run, um, is the most important before you can care for other patients.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. really glad you're able to come on and chat with us for, for a little bit.
1: Thanks, Jake.